Well, it's good to be here. Are you guys ready to learn the Word of God together? Yeah! Okay, good. Well, we're going to start a new series tonight, and it's called, are you ready? It's on your outline. What's it called? God, our refuge. God, our refuge. And this comes from discussion from winter camp. You know what happened at winter camp? We uh, had a lot of fun. We played a lot of games. There was snow. It was raining every day. And we walked through it and we persevered. But also we had really good discussions, right? We had small group time and we figured out, we talked to each other and we learned what we were struggling with, right? And for some of you, a lot of you actually, what the staff told us is that many of you guys have been struggling with, and we're getting serious now, some anxiety, maybe, some depression, maybe some sad times, maybe some feeling worried at home or feeling just worried about what's to come or maybe a lack of trust in the Lord. And so that's what we're going to address with this series. We're going to address how we can find joy, how we can find peace, how we can find refuge in God through Jesus Christ, okay? And so we're going to talk about depression, we're going to talk about anxiety, and we're going to talk about maybe those things that you're struggling with at home, by yourself, and in your own head. And let me ask you, what are you struggling with? What has been the lowest point of your life? Can you think about it? Have you had a really bad situation at home that has just left you so sad, maybe really worried, do you have situations where all you, can, you can, all you can do is just stay up at night and just you're just thinking and you're just worrying about what's coming next? What has been your lowest point in life? Have you had one of these yet? Maybe you have. Maybe it's yet to come and you're about to face because let me tell you, this life isn't easy, right? And there will come trials and there will come low points in life. And you will hit rock bottom at some points of your life. And so I hope with this series and with our passage today, we'll figure out what we should do, who we can cling to when we go through these very low points in life. I'll share with you. I've already shared with you, right, a little bit of my testimony. When I was a junior higher, your age, my parents got divorced. And this, I can tell you, was my lowest point in life thus far. And that shattered me. And my parents were everything to me. And all of a sudden, my parents are fighting every day. Maybe you're, you can relate to that. My parents are fighting every, every day, arguing with each other. And every day while my parents were together, you know what I was doing? I was feeling anxious. I was feeling worried. Because I didn't know how long they would last or what would happen to our family. And even though it's outside of my control, I can do nothing about it, really. I was always anxious and worried about what would happen to my family because I didn't want my family to be broken apart. Then my parents finally got divorced. They separated. We moved out of the house. We lived in different houses. We went through really tough times. We didn't have a lot of money. My dad ended up uh, living out of his car for a little while because he didn't have a place to live. And then he moved to his friend's house. We had one bedroom. We stayed in there together. My dad myself and my little sister all in one room he would let me and my sister stay on the bed and my dad would sleep on the floor every night because that's how it was and it was a really low moment in my life have you had one of these moments in your life and maybe you think during those moments what do i do 
who can I turn to? I have no friends. I have nobody to, to talk about this with. And what do I do during these really low moments in my life? And that's what we're going to learn about in this series and in our passage today. John Flavel says this, and this is what we're going to hope to see in our passage. He says, let Christ manifest himself and dart the beams of his light into the believer's soul. Let Christ shed his light into our souls, and then it will make us kiss the stakes. That means not be afraid of persecution, sing in the flames, and shout in the pangs of death. You know what that means? We won't be be afraid of death. We won't be afraid of any trial that comes towards us. And you know what solves this? It's by studying the character of God and by seeking refuge in our great and good God. It is the goodness of God that helps us get through our very low moments in life. Maybe you will start to feel depressed. Maybe you have felt depressed. Maybe you will start to feel anxious. Maybe you have felt anxiety before. And the only thing that can bring you peace and comfort and refuge is by resting in the arms of our God who is good. And so that's what we're going to learn about in our passage tonight. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 34. Psalm chapter 34. And we're going to see what David teaches us as he endures and as he goes through the lowest point in his life. In Psalm 34, we're going to see how he responds. Raise your hand when you're there so we can start reading. Raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand. Psalm 34, right dab in the middle, you'll see Psalms. And uh, we're 34. You got it? Verse 1, let's start reading. Psalm 34, verse 1. I will bless... Oh, well, let me read the main part, or the beginning part. Psalm 34. A Psalm of David, that very beginning section. When he feigned madness before Abimelech, who drove him away and he departed. Verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces will never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for to those who fear him, there is no want. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is a man who desires life and loves length of days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against evildoers to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. 
Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Let's pray really quickly as we ask the Lord for help. Father, thank you for this time and just thank you for even this opportunity to open your word. It's such, it's grace from you that you would allow us to open your word and know who you are. And today, as we look at how you are so good to us and how we can find refuge in you, I pray that you would help us to focus our hearts and minds onto your word and to help us understand it in Jesus name. Amen. All right, well, there is a title, like I said, at the beginning of this psalm that tells us the context of Psalm 34. Read it back with me. What does it say at the very, very beginning? Let's read it all together. A psalm of David, when he feigned madness before Abimelech, who drove him away and he departed. You didn't read it with me, but it's fine, okay? So, turn in your Bibles to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 20 with me. 1 Samuel chapter 20. 20. And we're going to look at a little bit of the context here. 1 Samuel chapter 20, right after Judges, you'll find it. 1 Samuel chapter 20. Raise your hand when you're there. Good, good, good. 1 Samuel 20. Use your table of contents if you need it. 1 Samuel 20. Raise your hand, raise your hand if you're there. You're there, you're there, you're there, you're there. Okay, this is called a Bible study. So you need to follow along with me, okay? And I want you to follow along with all the verses that we're going to go through, okay? 1 Samuel chapter 20. What happens in 1 Samuel chapter 20? Remember when we learned that real friends are... Anybody remember? Fresh friends. Real friends are fresh friends. And we looked at the example of David and Jonathan, right? And their friendship. 1 Samuel chapter 20, we see their friendship. And look at verse 17 of 1 Samuel chapter 20. He says, Jonathan made it, uh, made David vow again because of his love for him, because he loved him as he loved his own life. You see that kind of commitment and all that we learned from their friendship? Look at the end, uh, verse uh, 41. David rose from the south side and fell on his face to the ground and bowed three times and they kissed each other and wept together, but David wept the more. And we just see their, their love for each other and how much they cared for each other, how much they supported each other. And it's at this moment that David and Jonathan depart and they do not see each other again. And David runs away because Saul, Jonathan's father, is trying to kill him. You got that? So David's on the run. Saul is trying to kill him because David has been made the new king. Saul is so jealous. He's angry. He's trying to kill David. Now we're at uh, 1 Samuel chapter 21. Look at verse 1. Then David came to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech came trembling to meet David. Ahimelech is a priest. He's scared to meet David because he's the new king. And of course, you're meeting the new king. You're going to be nervous. And he said to him, why are you alone and no one with you? David said to Ahimelech the priest, the king has commissioned me with a matter and has said to me, let no one know anything about this matter on which I am sending you and with which I have commissioned you. And I have directed the young men to a certain place. 
Do you know what this is? David is lying. David was not sent on a mission. David is lying here. He's telling this priest that he was sent on a mission from the king and to tell nobody about it. Can you believe this? Look at uh, verse 3. Now, therefore, what, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever can be found. Consecrated bread. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I'm hungry. I'm on the run. He's making up this lie in order to receive this bread that was devoted for a ceremony uh, for the Lord. Now look at verse 7. Now one of the servants of Saul was there that day, this kind of foreshadowing, detained before the Lord, and his name was Doug. His name in the Hebrew, Doeg, but I kind of like to think of him as Doug. Doug the Edomite, the chief of Saul's shepherds. Verse 8, David said to Ahimelech, Now is there not a spear or a sword on hand? For I brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's matter was urgent. He continues with the lie. He says, give me some bread, I'm hungry. And now he says, give me a sword, because I have no sword with me on this journey, and people are out to kill me. What happens in the Lord's kindness? Then the priest said, the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, behold, it is wrapped in a cloth behind the... Uh, the eph ephod if you would take it for yourself take it for there is none other except it here and david said there is none like it give it to me so what does he have now he has some bread he has a sword and this sword is the very sword that david used to kill who goliath and he says this is your sword the lord's providence the lord's kindness even when david's in sin David's lying. He's on the run. He says he's on a mission. He's not. And so he gets bread from this priest. He lies to him and he gets his sword. Are you following along? Now look at verse 10. Then David arose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achish, Achish, I say, king of Gath. Achish is uh, the breakfast treat that you want to try one day. Achish. <laughs> then David arose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achish, king of Gath. You know what Gath is? Gath is a place, Gath is a place where Goliath grew up. Gath is Goliath's hometown. Do you think it's a very smart idea for David to go to the hometown of Goliath, whom he killed? Not only that, but he goes to his hometown with the sword that he killed Goliath with. Is that pretty smart? Not smart at all. Verse 13, so he disguised, oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, verse 11, but the servants of Achish said to him, is this not David, the king of the land? And they not sing of this one as they dance, saying on Philistine radio, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. So the guards see him and they said, this is the guy that killed Goliath. And they go after him. Verse 12, David took these words to heart and greatly feared Achish, king of Gath. So, look at verse 13. He disguised his sanity before them and acted insanely in their hands and scribbled on the doors of the gate and let his uh, saliva run, run down into his beard. What is happening here? David has gone absolutely nuts. He has lied. He has dug himself into this pit 
for some reason he co goes to the place of Gath and he he should know by now that he's gonna not going to be treated very well there. They capture him, they're going to kill him, and what does he do in order to escape this? He acts like he's insane. He starts foaming at the mouth. His saliva is running down his mouth. He starts scribbling on the walls. And he's faking it in order to escape this. Absolutely crazy. Look at 1 Samuel 22, verse 1. So David, it works. David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. That's how I'm saying it. Verse 6. Then Saul heard that David and the men who were with him had been discovered. Saul hears where David is. Saul hears where, what David has done. Look at verse 9. Remember we saw the foreshadowing of our friend. What was his name? Doug. Doug. Verse 9. Then Doug the Edomite, who was standing by the servants of Saul, said, I saw a son of Jesse coming to Nob, to Ahimelech, the son of uh, Ahitub. All these words. He inquired of the Lord for him, gave him provisions, and gave him the sword of Goliath the Philistine. What does Doug do? Snitches. Snitches. And snitches get? Snitches. snitches. Verse 11. Then the king sent someone to summon Ahimelech the priest. So he snitches. Then he says, verse 13. Saul then said to him, why have you and the son of Jesse? He's talking to the priest now that gave him, gave him the bread, gave him the sword. He said, why have you and the son of Jesse conspired against me? And that you have given him bread and a sword and have inquired of God for him so that he would rise up against me by lying in ambush as it is this day. Look at verse, verse 16. Saul is angry, but the king said, you shall surely die, Ahimelech, you and all your father's household. And the king said to the guards who were attending him, Turn around and put the priests of the Lord to death because their hand also is with David because they knew that he was fleeing and did not reveal it to me. But the servants of the king were not willing to put forth their hands to attack the priests of the Lord. Then the king said to Doug, you turn around and attack the priests. And Doug the Edomite turned around and attacked the priests and he killed that day 85 men who wore the linen ephod. And he struck Nob, the city of the priests, with the edge of the sword. Both men and women, children and infants, also oxen, donkeys and sheep. He struck with the edge of the sword. Look at verse 21. Abitar told David that Saul had killed the priests of the Lord. Then David said to him, I knew on that day when Doug the Edomite was there that he would surely tell Saul, I have brought about the death of every person in your father's household. What happens here? In summary, David has lied to the priests in order to get bread, in order to get a sword. He foolishly goes to the place called Gath, where Goliath grew up, where he killed Goliath. He goes there. He's about to get captured. They, they are about to capture him. And what does he do? He fakes being insane he foams at the mouth he scribbles on the wall he escapes then doug comes the snitch and he comes and he tells saul all that happened and saul in his anger orders that all the priests 85 men be killed not only that but in this city all of the men all of the women all of the children infants all the oxen donkeys they're all killed why because of 
David's lies because of David's sins. And David finds out about this and he is, I would say, you would think he's feeling anxious, depressed, in a very low point of his life, realizing that what he did, his sins, caused the death of all these people. Would you say that? Would you say that? I would think he's in a very low point in his life. So he goes to a cave, he retreats there, and this is where we get Psalm 34. Psalm 34. And in this psalm, this psalm is a psalm of hardship. It's a psalm of adversity. It's a psalm of brokenness. This is a place maybe you'll get to in your life where you just feel the lowest point of your life. Maybe you feel depressed. Maybe you feel anxious, not knowing what's about to come. And the weight of your sin is bearing down on you. Or just the anxiety and the depression that comes in life is weighing down on you. Where will you turn to? This psalm shows us in four perspectives how an afflicted man, you could say a depressed man, an anxious man, is led to worship. How can you, in your low point of life, still worship God? Point number one, the humble man worships. The humble man worships. Look at verses one through three again. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. You know what's happening here? It is the desperate man. It is the humble man that is led to true worship. What have we talked about before? Like the teeter-totter, right? One side goes up, the other side goes down. One side goes down, the other side goes up. If you want the Lord to be magnified, if you want the Lord to be worshipped, then you must be made low. And it is in these moments, in your lowest moments, when the Lord humbles you, when the Lord gives you these trials and he breaks you down, that you are led to worship him. Why? Because you finally see who you are before the Lord. You're a sinner. You deserve all this pain. You deserve all this suffering. You deserve more than that. You deserve hell because of our sin against a holy and righteous God. And so we're humbled by that. And we magnify the Lord and realize our dependence on him, our great need for our Savior. And that's why God puts these trials in our lives. It is to bring us to worship him, to better understand ourselves and to better worship him. He is greatly glorified when we come to him on our knees in worship. But the proud man is not so, right? The proud man exalts himself. The proud man worships himself. He trusts in himself. He believes that he can overcome his own trials. I mean, maybe this is what you've done in your own lives. You've gone to a very low moment in your life. You felt depressed. You felt anxious. And where do you turn? Yourself. What can I do to fix my own problems? What can I do to get myself out of this situation? And when you do that, I can assure you, you will not find any peace, any comfort, any escape in your affliction because you're turning to yourself 
and there is nothing good in yourself. There is nothing in you that can rescue you from your own sin and from your own affliction. It is only Jesus Christ who can rescue you out of your lowest points of life. You must be humbled and you must recognize your great need for a savior. And this is what's happening to David. The humble man worships because he recognizes his great need for God and for his strength and for his comfort and for his protection and for his rescue. The humble man worships. I'll move on. Point number two, the poor man testifies. The poor man testifies. Verses four through seven. I sought the Lord, David says. I sought him. And he answered me. And he delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces will never be ashamed. This poor man cried. And the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. You know what this is? This is David's testimony. You know how, what we hear when we have baptisms? We hear all those great testimonies. And what are they saying? They are telling the story of how God rescued them out of their sin, rescued them out of their affliction, rescued them out of their bondage to sin. How he rescues them, makes them his own, comforts them, protects them. This is David's personal testimony. This is David's experience of the goodness of God. It is as if David is saying, this is my testimony. This is my story. And this could be your story too. This poor man sought the Lord. He looked to him. He cried to him. And the Lord answered. He satisfied him. He defends him. He redeems the poor man out of his affliction. This is the testimony of David, and it could be your testimony too. In your lowest point of life, maybe your family is struggling at home. Maybe you've lost all your friends. Maybe you're getting bullied. Maybe you've lost a loved one, a family, a friend, whatever it may be. You're feeling anxious. You're feeling worried. You're, you don't know what's coming next. This can be your testimony. What does David do? He seeks after the Lord. He cries out to him, God rescue me. God save me from my affliction. And what does David say? He rescued me. He saved me. He lifted me out. This is my good and gracious and loving God. The only escape from your affliction, the only escape from your, your uh, depression, your anxiety, your lowest points of life, is by turning to the Savior. Our God is good. This is David's testimony. Turn to him. Fear him. Have an awe and respect for him. So much so that this fear of the Lord, your love for him, it casts out the fear that you have in your affliction. You're no longer fearing whatever it is that, is that is in your situation that's causing you anxiety or depression. You know why? Because that fear is, is drawn out and the fear of the Lord is replaced with it. And you respect him and you love him and you cry out to him to save you from your affliction. This poor man is fixed on prayer. He's fixed on worship to God. This poor man cannot help but testify 
This God saved me and he can save you too. He can rescue you out of whatever situation you are in in life. Let me ask you, is this your testimony? Has the Lord saved you? Can you say today, this poor man cried. I was a sinner. I was bound to my sin. I was a slave to my sin. But he saved me and he rescued me. He answered me. He redeemed me. Can you say this testimony? This can only be done if you are made low, if you realize your great need for him and you cry out to your savior. Number three, the troubled man teaches. The troubled man teaches. Look at verses eight through 14. It's as if David is shifting now from a hymn, from a song. And the second part of the psalm is David's sermon. He moves from uh, telling us a hymn to teaching us something from his experience. He says, verse eight, oh, taste and see that the Lord is what? Good. What is he? He's good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you, his saints, for to those who fear him, there is no want. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in want of any good thing. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves length of days that that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. David is trying to teach you something. You know what David's middle name is? Trouble. David has been in trouble all his life, running away from Saul. Now in, his, in this cave, he is feeling the weight of his sin by being the cause of all of these men's death. Women, children, infants, All these people have died because of the consequences of David's sin. He's feeling the weight of it. And he's saying, listen to me. Learn from me. Don't make the same mistakes I have. Learn from this poor man. David makes a plea. He says, please learn from my affliction. And he says, I can't just tell you about the goodness of God. You know what you can read? You can affirm truths like God is good. God is loving. God is holy. You can go to Bible school. You can go to VBS. You can learn all these Bible memory verses. You can learn all these things about God. You can learn about who God is and say it to me. You can learn the gospel and recite it to me. But unless you actually experience and have a relationship with this God, none of it matters. David is saying, yes, God is good, but he doesn't just stop there. He says, taste and see for yourself that God is good. Don't just affirm God is good. Cry out to him, seek him, ask him to show you his goodness and actually taste and see that the Lord is good. Actually have a relationship with this good God and see for yourself. Don't just take my word for it. I can preach to you over and over again and it will not do any good for you unless you actually go and taste and see of his goodness for yourself. Cry out to him. Plead for him to save you. 
Plead for him to rescue you out of your affliction. You know what? I would even say this. Pray that God would humble you if he hasn't already. Do you pray for this? Do you ask God, you know what? Do whatever you need to in order to humble me, in order to make me low. You know why? So that God can be exalted and I can see God for who he truly is. And I can truly taste and see that he is good as he rescues me out of my affliction. Maybe you're too proud. Maybe you're relying on yourself. Maybe that's why you're experiencing this depression and this anxiety. It's because of your own pride and you're relying on yourself. Ask the Lord to humble you, to break you down, to make you low so that you can see your great need for a savior. And you can finally realize for the first time for yourself, you can experience his goodness. You can taste and see that he is actually good. David understood that in his darkest moment, he had experienced the goodness of God. And in his darkest moment, David pleads with you, fear God, taste and see that he is good. David says, keep your tongue from evil, your lips from speaking deceit, depart from evil and do good, seek peace and pursue it. And in this section, you get a hint of David's repentance. And I think it would serve you well to take this warning, to fear God, to humble yourself, and to taste and see that he is good. Learn from David's mistakes. Don't find yourself in this pit of sin. Don't find yourself in this lowest point without heeding this warning and turning to God. Point number four, the righteous man marvels. The righteous man marvels. The righteous man is in awe. The righteous man is just so overwhelmed by the grace and the goodness of God. Look at verses 15 through 22. The eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. Look at verse 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Verse 22, the Lord redeems the soul of his servants and none of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. David understood that God's plans were greater than his, that God's plans was not for him to have an easy life, but to instead have a life of affliction that will ultimately result in the glory of God. How? Because a righteous man, though he may have troubles, the Lord delivers him out of them all. Faith says that I trust the God who brought this affliction to me to ultimately deliver me from it. And let me ask you, do you have this faith? Do you trust in the Lord this way? God's plans are better than ours. And the greatest demonstration of this is the cross, isn't it? That the perfect son of man would come to earth and he would be killed. And why does he do this? Why does he give up his own life? It is so that today you may taste and see that the Lord is good. You are bound to your sin. You are a slave to your sin. You have experienced the lowest points of your life and have found no escape from it because you have not cried out to the Lord in faith and repentance. But students, why wouldn't you do this? 
Why would you carry your own sin? Why would you carry your own burdens? Why would you try to fix it on your own? When our Savior, Jesus Christ, offers out his hand to you today and offers you rescue, forgiveness, relief from your burdens, relief from your sins, total forgiveness. How does he do this? By dying on the cross for you. By paying for your sins. By raising from the dead on the third day. By defeating death. So that today, all you must do is believe in him. Cry out to him. This poor man cried and he rescued me. Will you experience this? Will this be your testimony? Listen, unless you cry out to the Lord and turn away from your sins. Say, I want nothing to do with it. I want Christ. Unless you cry out to him, unless you are humbled, you will not see any escape from your pain, from your trials, from your struggles. You will not see any true satisfaction. You will not experience any true goodness, any true love, any true joy in your life until you turn fully to Jesus Christ. Maybe you have already experienced this low point in your life. Maybe you haven't and have yet to experience this and it will come and it's coming your way. What will you do in this low point? Will you call out to the Lord and ask him to rescue you? Or will you try to fix it on your own? The Lord is good. He offers his hand to you today. He offers you rescue. He offers you refuge through his son. And all you must do is cry out to him and accept it. Will you do it? Will this be your testimony? Taste and see that the Lord is good for yourself. For yourself. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Your goodness, which has been so greatly displayed to us through the death of your son. Through your great love for us, you sent your son to die for us. He paid for our sins. He took on sin for us. Those who hated him, those who sinned against him, those who put our fists against him and ultimately hung him on a cross, he dies for us, takes our sins, raises from the dead, and it is this that we cling on to. You are so good to us, and it is this goodness that we cling on to during our lowest points of life. You are the only thing that can offer us true love, true satisfaction, true goodness. And so would you humble us? Would you break us down? Would you make us low in order that we may cry out to you and, and worship you as you rightly deserve? Let us bring you glory and honor through our trials. Let us bring you worship as we cry out to you for help and as we cry out to you for rescue and for refuge. Lord, I realize that students here may be feeling that low point in their life, that sadness, that depression, that anxiety, those anxious and worried thoughts. Lord, break them and, and show them that they cannot help themselves, but that they must turn to you that you must rescue them. Would you do that work in their hearts? In Jesus' name, amen.